return you now to your regularly scheduled program. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Wee's Coast Alums. Here we are, another episode. <laughs> We're excited. We have a special guest this episode. Um, if you guys have listened to our episode in the past, I forget what number it was, 24, I think? Oh, was it Don't 30? ask me. <laughs> one of them, one of the episodes, we talk about our experience with the Office of Residence Life. And obviously, we were both RAs, so coming from that perspective, we had a lot to say about the ORL side of Operations at Liberty. Um, if you notice, in the title, it said part one, because guess what? Here we Ooh. are today, doing part two. <laughs> Five dollars if you notice. That's right. From $5. Josh's bank account. Wait, hold on. I didn't agree to this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so... Part two, we thought it would be really fun um, to get one of the people that we worked with back in the day. He was one of our RSs. We've talked about him before um, to kind of give his perspective on what RS looked like and also just opinions about the Office of Spiritual Development. So, uh, Tucker, you want to tell tell the fans a little bit about our guest today? Oh, I would I would love to. Yes, Trent was uh one of our RSs on our on our team, so we had two RAs and two RSs, and uh, Trent was one of those awesome RSs with, with Arkham <laughs> as his buddy. Uh, Trent just, uh, I think we were blown away as we got to work with Trent as how he, how much he he cared and and how much compassion he had on on the students on the hall. Uh, he he really sought out those that uh, might have been neglected. Or might have been overlooked. Uh, he would be hanging out with them and being in their rooms and praying for them and seeing how they're doing and caring for them. Uh, and so it was. It was just such a blessing to work with Trent. So I'm very honored and excited to introduce our special guest today, Trent. Welcome yeah. to the show, Trent. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I I worked back with them my junior year. Um, at Liberty University, I finally got the resident shepherd position, um, and I had a blast with these two because we operated so well together uh, in the in the way that we we uh, connected, in the way that we uh, worked. But yeah, so I'm I'm Trent Robinson. I uh, am 23, I guess. I don't know. Age just goes. Um, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm 23. I uh, I'm still at Liberty University. Actually, I'm in my I'm in my sixth year, so my second year of masters, um, and I'm pursuing pastoral counseling. Uh, I graduated with youth ministry in my undergrad uh, after a really late change. My year actually with Tucker and Josh, uh, I changed out of nursing, um, and mm-hmm. I switched to youth ministry. It's just a crazy, crazy time. Uh, a little bit overwhelmed. A little bit of. Uh, um, high stress as I was trying to figure out what in the world my life was going to be and how I balance all the things that I was signed up for. Um, but yeah, I enjoy um, rock climbing and volleyball. Um, uh, I'm, I'm engaged to my lovely fiance, Elizabeth Brady. Um, she went by EB our year, so EB. <laughs> um, and uh, we're set to get married in May. And I graduate in May Woo. and I figure out what in the world my life looks like in May. But it's an exciting time. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, man. So you were you were one of the COVID couples, right? 
I was by the COVID couples. <laughs> the yeah. COVID couple. At the oh, end of the yeah. year, after all the students went back home, there were a few couples that stayed on. And so yeah. and they like all paired up towards the end of the year during COVID. So they're they're called the COVID couples. Yeah. But they're getting married. It's true. We have another Cam Smith who's been on the show yeah, before. Dang. He's getting married. It's like it's crazy. <laughs> Just wait to yeah. COVID to start dating. That's, that's hey, uh, it was a cool time. Do I mean, you want to talk about a nice honeymoon phase of a dating relationship? Right. Just doing classes and living on a dorm where no one else is really on the dorm. Kind of a fun time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, jo- Josh and I had that. Later. I remember that. You guys were also a COVID couple. Yeah. We, we were in like a three-star with Hunter. <laughs> The Avatar oh. gang, yeah. I was gonna say it was, it was watching the shows that got you. Yeah, yeah it was. It's an emotional show, man. What the love was in the air. It's the love language man. that you guys spoke. Uh, COVID yeah. and love. It's in the air. That's right. But anyway, so Trent, you were RS the year that we were yeah. RA. It was my first year as an RA, and honestly, mm-hmm. having you guys as an as an RS, you and Arkham both was awesome because. You know, we talked a little bit about this on our episode with the Office of Residence Life, where coming into that year, our office pushed this, you know, narrative of like RAs and RSs. There's a conflict there. And so you have to work to overcome that and you have Mm -hmm. to, you know, graph together well and really make an effort to be friendly and lead together. And like I told Tucker on that episode, it that seemed so weird to me because I didn't (laughs) understand this dynamic that became that came before where there was this conflict. But obviously, like looking at other halls on campus, there was tension a lot of times between RAs and RSs. Yeah. And I really didn't mm-hmm. feel that on our team, which was such a blessing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyways, I don't know if you want to maybe talk about that a little bit, like maybe what what OSD was kind of telling you guys going into that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. OSD, I'll say specifically that year. I mean, that was my first year as an RS. So like I was also figuring out the position. It was Arkham's first year. Tucker was the only one that had some experience on our team, but but we're all coming in kind of fresh. And uh, I I, I remember OSD not specifically saying very much about like the distinction or uh, like they said that there would be maybe a potential tension. And I see it around campus, even now that I'm still on here, like there will often be like a power struggle because RSs are told that they are supposed to hold authority somewhere on the same level as RAs, but RAs at the end of the day are going to be the administrative justice. So like, you know, they have a lot more authority in a lot of areas. Um, and then RSs are supposed to have the authority over um, like community group leaders and how the hall is operating on predominantly Wednesday nights. Um, and so I see the opportunity for tension because you have, two different positions that are supposed to operate on equal planes, but have different lanes in the way that they, they operate. Yeah. Um, and so like, and this is not a bash at all, but like the, the next year that I served as an RS, um, I saw a little bit of it where it's just like, there's a tension for one of my RAs to kind of want to, um, to lead a lot more prominently, um, when Evan, my roommate, and I really also wanted to be involved in it. And so there, there can be a little tension that you see. Mm, yeah. Um, but no, our year was our year was phenomenal. I even have referenced it in the past is like, I think our hall um, and our partnership as Arkham and myself and you two uh, did it really well because there wasn't much of a like, none of us, I think, came to the table saying like, I need to have authority or power or demonstrate mm-hmm. myself in some way or assert myself mm-hmm. um, because... 
uh, even now, I think OSD has moved into a more segregated approach. So like we want your relationship to function well, but we need to find terms better because it's not usually doing well. Mm. Um, and so like, for example, our, we did all of our CGL interviews together, yeah. which I think in the day, like Arkham and I were told like, this is your call to make, but we weren't told RAs can't be there. Uh, and it's kind of transitioned more to where it's like RSs are the only ones that are supposed to do it. Um, but I saw it work really well with all four of us. I mean, we made great mm -hmm. decisions. I never felt like um, like Arkham and I were being overshadowed or like that we were like being forced into decisions that we weren't comfortable mm -hmm. with because all four of us were operating in unison. So I've seen yeah. a lot of, uh, I've seen, I've seen, I think we played it really well in our year, like the way that we operated, mm -hmm. but I have seen it also go poorly. And so I understand both sides of maybe why there's a, let's distinguish our roles like and maybe they even include some like rules of like ras aren't involved in this um or rs's aren't involved in this thing that ras do um uh, so it's about then yeah i think mm -hmm. that's that's something too that i noticed my senior year that i don't i don't think i touched on on the other episode but mm -hmm. going from the year that we had where it was all four of us kind of working together in unison and yeah. having that really good picture honestly of leadership and brotherhood and then moving to my senior year when I, I was moved to East campus and <clears throat> there was this split and it was, it was really weird for me that the, the RSs did the CGL interviews alone. And I, I really <laughs> felt like from the outset that me and my RA partners were being kind of ostracized from the spiritual side of the hall. Um, and that was really difficult to overcome too. And so, you know, mm -hmm. then it being my senior year, second semester, I kind of was just like, all right. I mean, if you guys don't want me to be really involved in this, you know, if, if like I can't, you know, come in and like really hang out with the CGLs, then okay. Like I'll just have a few one-on-ones and you know, it was a completely different dynamic from the year that we had together, which, you know, I mean, you guys were so gracious to, you invited us into, mm -hmm. um, when you would have the, yeah. oh, I yeah. forget what they're called, the CGL groups where lead, you guys, lead yeah, groups, lead groups, lead groups. where basically yeah. you guys yeah. would split the CGLs in half and you'd each meet with them in like mm -hmm. a more discipleship role. And you guys invited us into that. And that was yeah. even just having that invitation was so yeah. like it, I don't know, it made, it made me feel so welcome um, into that mm -hmm. side of the community. And I think that ultimately benefited our hall um, because it did kind of open that door of partnership and, and brotherhood type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So anyways, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Tucker. I remember one of our, our visions for the hall as a, as a team, uh, us four, was mm -hmm. unity of mm. if, if we were unified, then we believe that it would trickle down to the other leadership and then eventually to the other students on the hall. And I saw that, praise God, that by his grace, we were able to because I saw how that, that actually did happen. When we were unified, the leadership was unified and then the hall was unified. Uh, mm -hmm. So then didn't see, I think, that example of you guys inviting us into what is pre predominantly your role in, in discipling yeah. the CGLs yeah. showed that that unification. It it didn't communicate division to our guys. Mm -hmm. It showed them, hey, we're on the same page and we want to invite each other in to our lives, to our roles, because we're one in the body of Christ. And I just thought that was that was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I can't. Thank you guys enough too, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for inviting us in and, and, and um, even not just like in, inviting us, but 
in, encouraging us to be involved in the spiritual lives of our students. Because mm. um, I think we did feel that tension too of, okay, well, I, th- I think I want to be involved with the spiritual life, but it seems like our role, our roles, especially at me as being the second year RA, the, yeah. I, I saw that change in what RL and OSD were communicating where it was slowly decreasing the amount of involvement the RAs were having in the spiritual lives of the students and increasing mm-hmm. the amount that the RSs were having. And so there was like this confusion of, okay, well, how much, like, we don't want to, we don't want to step on people's toes. How much, you know, th- can I be involved without making my RSs feel <laughs> over, you know, yeah. stepped on? Yeah. You know, I didn't want to yeah. like, yeah, I didn't want to like step on your guys' authority or roles, mm-hmm. but also like love the students. I would love to be there, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I think we just felt so honored and 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 so mm. respected and, and loved by by you and Arkham. Um, awesome. That yeah. being one of the examples yeah. of inviting us in. Yeah, and I mean, I think with that, like we set a vision, as you said, like we set this vision that we wanted to be unified, and we all agreed to it. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like I was going to extend the trust that hey, like I've seen things go wrong in the past, but like I don't believe that it's going to be the case, and so like I felt freedom to. Um, without like feeling like I was like creating some tension to like put a parameter on it and say like, Hey, like we want you to be involved in these lead groups. Um, but I need you to understand that like, I'm the one that's supposed to lead it. So like, if you want to be involved, mm-hmm. like, I'd love for you to participate as you are one of the CGLs. So like take off the position of like an RA and just be like one of the bros with us, you know? Um, and I, and since we saw it go well, like it was, it was really easy for us, but even one of the mandates now is like from LSD is like, Hey, like, we can't have that. And it's because some people tried it. And there was, mm. again, just that tension of like a power struggle. And so you asked the question a little bit of like, does the, and I, I don't know, I guess, statistically how it looks, but like, does the exception um, like necessitate a rule? Like, so when there is a power struggle, and now we have to create a rule to, um, to str- create like some more strict parameter on it. But for me, like, I just want to give the benefit of the doubt and say, like, if we're called to be leaders, like, then I would be willing to approach my brother who I now have tension with one of my partners, like my RA partners, if I create tension with them, like that, I could say, hey, I need to step up into this. This is what I've been called to lead in. And so I need you to step back and that that would be like conflict resolution instead of we need to make a rule for it, you know? Yeah. And even on that note, Trent, of kind of having this space where we got to go in as RAs and not be leaders. I know for me, like, so I, I was involved with your lead group and Tucker, you went to Arkham's lead group, even, you know, the times that I went, it was so nice just to be for once. Cause you don't get many of these moments yeah. as RA to be among your peers where you can kind of take off that hat. And I really, I really yeah. didn't feel like an RA in that room. And it was so That's nice. Awesome. You know, I remember just, you know, you kind of just doing your thing and us going around and talking with all the CGLs and it really felt like. I was one of them, which is something that I absolutely adored about the CGL position is that you do still mm-hmm. feel like you have this camaraderie, I yeah. guess, with the other students, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which was so nice to have. But anyway, so so shifting gears a little bit, because we've talked about the different roles. Um, and if this is your first time listening, so basically how Liberty is set up, you have two offices that oversee leadership on campus. You have ORL, Office of Residence Life, and OSD, Office of Spiritual Development. And so basically on the ORL side of things, it's more administrative. You have your RAs and you have your RDs, which are kind of their bosses. But on the OSD side of things, you have um, three levels, essentially. So you have the CGLs, uh, which are kind of in charge of small groups, you know, Wednesday. 
next level up, you have the RSs. So you have two on each hall um, or three, depending on where you are on campus. But uh, basically their job is to oversee CGLs and the spiritual climate of the hall. And then moving up from there, you have the SRS role, which you are technically, I believe, an employee of the school, right? I, you're kind of, you, you, you walk a weird line. Like I'm like, right. I'm staff when I need to be, but I'm a scholarship student when I also need to be. Okay. So I don't entirely okay. know where I fit into it. But I think <laughs> at the other day, I'm still like a scholarship student, but they treat it a lot more, like with a lot more regulations. So like a lot okay. more carefully. Yeah. Gotcha. So could you, could you walk us through maybe how you got interested in RS? What led you to that? And then from there moving on to SRS? Yeah. So my freshman year, I, I didn't, I would say my whole, my freshman year didn't demonstrate a good RS role to me. Uh, I had decent RAs but my RSs were pretty absent. Um, one was just always out with his uh, fiance at the time. And then one of them was just so busy with it, like uh, aviation. He just wasn't there. Um, and so I, I decided I was going to try out for RS, but I really had no good framework of what a good RS looked like. Um, I, I actually got denied from the position. My interview went horribly. Like, if you want to talk about God oh, interceding and saying, no. this is not your time, like worst interview. I love interviewing. Worst interview I've ever had. <laughs> um, gosh, the first question he just looked at me is like, so you're 18? I was like, yeah. He's like, you're a freshman. I was like, yeah. He said, you're a nursing student. I was like, yeah. I'm going three strikes against me. Like I'm already screwed. Uh, he was like, I believe wisdom is attained beyond your years. Like, I don't think age dictates your wisdom. So he said, what has happened to you or what have you done in your life to have wisdom beyond your years? And I fumbled. I had, I don't even remember what I said. It was so bad. That's a good question. But it's a great question. question. Just one I was never prepared for. So, (laughs) um, and then I comes to my sophomore year and I have a great, this like set of RSs and a great set of RAs. And like, I, I had a great framework for what it looks like. Um, but now I have a parameter that restricts me from it. Um, I'm about to head my next year as my junior year of nursing. Um, and they have bold print in the application. You cannot do nursing or your junior year of nursing in RS. And you definitely can't do RA because RA is a lot of like time commitment things too. Um, like curfew checks and all those things that like are tough. And so... Um, I decided I wasn't going to go for it. Didn't seem like something that I could do. Um, and I wanted to honor that, that parameter. Um, but people kept asking me like, are you going to go for it? Are you going to go for it? And, uh, I had, I had spent some time praying after one person asked me, um, somewhere down the line of people asking me. Um, and I was like, maybe I am closing a door that like, even though it seems is closed, isn't actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I was like, I'll pray about it and I'll, I'll like try it. And so I sent in my application somehow made it past the first round. So I guess they thought, hey, maybe he's got a shot. Um, and uh, yeah, I went through the whole process and I, I interviewed. Um, the predominant part of the interview was asking me, how in the world are you going to manage your time? Um, <laughs> <laughs> which my only the only good response I had is because like, I don't like I'm a good student, but like, I don't think I would succeed uh, truthfully. And so I was like, hey, listen, I'm following God's will here. Like if he's going to bring me in this position, I trust he's going to Make something out of it because it's mm-hmm. not, it won't go very well if I try to put all my effort into this. Mm. I got hired. I don't know how. I don't know if it was a slip <laughs> up. It probably wasn't, but we made it there. Uh, and so I got hired and I stepped into it. Um, and yeah, truth be told, like that year was really tough. Um, nursing and balancing RS, it, it's a lot of responsibility. Um, and I wasn't giving enough time to studying. Um, but 
the the silver lining in it or the beautiful thing that God had did with it was he showed me my heart for ministry. Um, I love nursing, but I just never got to sit and have the conversations I wanted to because I was running from task to task. So I switched into youth ministry, um, only youth because I had no other clue what kind of ministry I was going to do. So <laughs> it was it was just a choice and I had to switch at some point. And um, so he showed me my heart for ministry, which is awesome. Um, and RS was a great opportunity for it. Like very quickly, um, leadership stuff isn't the stuff I was nervous about. Like I can speak at a hall meeting or I can... Um, I can do those things. Like, I feel like I can give good advice or like all that stuff. That was like in my competency. Like I knew how to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say RS was really good at developing my character, um, which I think is far more important. Um, having those conversations. Um, I think back to a, a conversation I had to have about suicide um, with a person that had mentioned language like it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just a, uh, there's a, there's a limitation I feel like I realized, like I've never had one of those conversations and I'm not equipped for it. Um, yet I stepped into it because I, I believe in the power of the spirit. And um, hmm. it's really cool when you see God work on behalf of you or through you. Um, and I, I became addicted to that. And that's why I, I adore the RS position because it gives you opportunities like that where you reach your, your capacity um, in your skills and then you get to see God work in your weakness. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for it, but RS was a very unique thing for it. Um, and so I, I'm grateful for that. And then um, did RS our year together, my junior year. I did it the next year and it was, again, a great time. Um, balancing a lot of things is still a tough, tough role. Uh, to try to figure out how you handle studies and relationship and um, care for the guys on your hall well and be present. Uh, and so all of that was difficult. Uh, but as it came time for me to decide if I was going to graduate or what I was going to do, I, I had been praying and I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do yet. With only three semesters of ministry, I didn't really have a good framework for what I was going into or any of that. So I, uh, yeah, I, I took a second and I, I remember praying and I was just like, all right, what opportunities could you open up for me? Um, and I thought back to my SRS, Matthew Baldwin, who is an incredible guy. Um, again, like being an RS, I have a shepherd and an SRS that are specifically tasked to caring for my heart and helping develop me and train me up and make me feel equipped for the, the job that I have on the hall. Uh, so I thought back to that and I was like, maybe I just go for it. So put in my name, went through the application, the interview, all the different things that I had to do. Um, wasn't sure if I was going to get it. Uh, I had started looking at jobs at that point because like, maybe I need to start looking at where I'm going. Uh, but God opened the door and uh, there was some tension in the decision, but ultimately, like when I had prayed, I felt very much so that the peace of God was leading me. He was going before me. Um, and how do you argue with that? So I'm in the SS position, done it for a year, and now I'm in my second year and it's been a fantastic time. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. Can you, can you tell us what that position entails? Cause I don't, I don't even really know yeah. all that an SRS does. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, pretty much no one does. So <laughs> okay. um, I am, in essence, uh, a grad student who is partnered with um, a shepherd and shepherds, you shepherds are um, older staff members that um, really just head up and lead over a group of RSs around campus. So the campus is split by that. And so just as you guys have RDs, uh, RSs have shepherds. And so I partner with Doug Damon, my shepherd. Um, and him and I 
uh, do life together and do ministry together. And that's about how it functions. Um, I'm a support person for him. I help lead certain things. Um, and so there's certain weekly rhythms that RSs go through um, that Doug and I run. And so that's like lead groups. Like there, there's a lead group that the RS does for CGLs. And then there's a lead group that they attend done by LU Shepherd and SRS. And so we lead them through that weekly, which means that I get weekly FaceTime with all 22 of my RSs. Um, we, we teach a CGL Connect class um, alongside a female shepherd. Um, so we have different rhythms like that, but the essence of it is the LU Shepherd and the SRS are um, over a specific area of campus. Mine's Commons one in one of the buildings on the hill, Hill 23. Um, and those 22 RSs that make up the 11 different halls um, are my lot, they're my portion. So my main goal is that they are equipped, uh, they are cared for, um, they feel value beyond just the position. Um, and then I trust, because I can't touch everybody on campus, it's, it's impossible. So I trust that they're doing their job faithfully so that their community group leaders are feeling loved, cared for, supported. Um, and then as the community group leaders are doing their ministry, their guys on the hall feel known, uh, appreciated. They're being challenged with conversations. And so that's kind of how the whole function rolls. Uh, 22, that, that, that's a significant number. How, how do you care for and, and shepherd the hmm. 22 of, of these guys? Yeah. The coolest thing about my position is there isn't like a, uh, there isn't a strict like mandated number of how many we have to meet or in what fashion we do. Um, and so I know that my heart and my abilities are more geared towards one-on-one -on -one conversations, just, which can be harder. Um, but I see them on a, it's every two, two weeks we have uh, like lead groups in a row and then we have one week off so they can have a break from a lot of heavy work. Uh, but um, I know that I've been crafted for one-on-one -on -one conversations. I just love asking deeper questions and getting into their lives a lot more. Um, and so I meet with about four of them a week. Um, sometimes I can get up to like six, but I don't want to try to burn myself out of the capacity of um, making sure that I'm having these connections. Like I see them a good bit. I have, I'm available to them, um, but I, I try to reach out to about four. Sometimes it ends up being more um, a week. And if you think about 16 weeks, um, I, I'm touching, I'm getting meals with a good bit of them probably two or three times within a semester. Um, so that's, that's one way. And I mean, Doug is doing something similar in his own, uh, his own abilities and how he operates. Um, and so they have two different resources that they can always text call if they need advice, encouragement, um, as situations come up that they don't know how to deal with, like Doug and I are both, uh, resources and outlets that they got. Um, so that's kind of how the support looks is predominantly just getting in their lives. Like I don't want somebody on my team. Um, I don't want them to go through this year and me not know like some of the basic information about them and especially how their heart is doing. Um, so yeah, I think you hit on an interesting point, which is burnout. And that's something that, mm -hmm. um, like I remember even going through RA training in, in the training weeks that we had. You know they talk a lot about that and i think any yeah. upper level leadership position rs ra rd srs whatever it may be it's a lot focused on burnout don't get burned out you know like you have to manage your time mm -hmm. manage because you you do have all these people that you feel somewhat responsible for and a lot yeah. of leadership at least on on campus kind of in the role that you're in now is being available 
to people and just there's this mm-hmm. constant availability that you have to have and um, I know we were talking before the show, you were saying it's kind of nice to have mm-hmm. more of a separation being an SRS where you're not like in the dorm yeah. with all of them. Uh, and I know that's something that, you know, when, when Tucker and I were RAs together and you were on the halls and RS, it is, you feel like you have to always be available. You know, guys are coming yeah. down, knocking on our door sometimes at one or two in the morning and we may have mm-hmm. an 8am class, but it's like, we're in that role and it's like, we have to be available. And you know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes yeah. we didn't open the door, but, but, but yeah. our, a lot of the times that's, we that's, did. That's what we don't tell students. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, we yeah, always yeah. open the door. Oh, uh, sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, didn't anyone knocking. Yeah. So I remember one time this one, we had one student on the hall who would knock pretty regularly and it was always over nothing. And I remember one time he was knocking at like two in the morning. Tucker and I both kind of popped their heads up, looked at each other and went right back down to bed. (laughs) Like, no, I can't do it. But even that, like maintaining that level of kind of trying to not allow yourself to be burned out. So I guess moving from an an RS position to an SRS position, what I guess are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way of how to, you know, maintain your stamina and not be burned out? Because now in your role, I would imagine you have to watch out for yourself, but you also have yeah. these RSs that you're over that you're trying to encourage them and help them not to be burned out in their roles of leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, how they how they want to operate. Or actually, I, I'd say it comes down to the fundamentals, what they believe about themselves and the, the people around them. Because um, one of my greatest issues, especially our year, um, um, we talk about saviors complex. Mm. And this this idea that you need to be the person to help them or that you have to be the person. Um, and it's it's just so flawed, but it also is like so attractive. Um, mm. And so I, I'll give I'll give the entire the entire uh, narrative basically from my perspective, being honest. Um, I really struggled with that. And a lot of it, I mean, I'm even in, uh, I'm in TRBC's pastoral counseling right now. Like I'm receiving counseling because I wanted to target pride. Like I'm getting married soon. Um, and in marriage, you have to be selfless. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm still operating in a position and like I'm postured right now for growth. Like I never have been. And so like, I just really want to maximize it. So I'm in counseling right now. Um, but one of the things that I've been examining in my heart is like, I really have a tendency to like need to be needed. Um, and so I would put myself in positions where like I would become the primary contact for people. And then instead of helping equip them, do it, I would try to do it for them so that like I was the one that was like their go to and they needed me. Um, and mm-hmm. it creates uh, a very strong tendency towards burnout for me now, because like people that I am setting up to need me are now going to need me. But I can't always be everywhere I need to be. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I had to regulate that a lot. Um, and a a part of that growing process was learning that it is both way more loving and way more feasible to teach them and equip them how to do things so that it's not on me. Um, Mm. and also if we hire like these community group leaders, like we, you'll remember this, we took forever to hire our guys. Like we were going (laughs) through it. We spent hours on hours discussing and laboring over it because we believe that the people that we hired were going to matter, like our community group yeah. leaders. Mm, yeah. And so if I spent that much time getting them in those positions, then I trust that they're, they're going to lead well. And so I would rather empower them to go do what they have been tasked to do 
um, then always try to step in, step over um, to, to lead in my own power. Uh, and so I think that was my biggest hindrance to burnout is that even with Arkham and I, I found myself um, out of my own pride saying like, oh, I'll handle things way more than like saying like, hey, Arkham, can you step into this? Um, and it was just because like, I was like, I think the, the deep seated part of myself that really needs to be broken and it is being fixed right now is saying like, I'm more equipped to do this than Arkham, mm -hmm. but the same spirit that resides in me is the same spirit that resides in Arkham. And so the arrogance is that my competency would be able to fix things more than his. Um, so working on that and now being an SRS, like I do have a greater separation from work life, uh, personal <laughs> life, because I go back to a dorm. And I live on a dorm where those are not my people that I do ministry for. In fact, like I live with the guys that do my position and there's only five of us. Um, mm. And like, so we just get to unwind with each other, be bros. There isn't any like obligation that like somebody's going to come knock on my door at 2 a.m. And I'm going <laughs> to have to either answer or go back to sleep. Like yeah. I have total freedom. And so for me now, burnout is just like, I'll say burnout is a lot further on my horizon and it's predominantly because I've learned how to encourage and equip the people under me to do their jobs well, mm. which allows them to become the leaders that God has called them to be a lot better than if they just relied on me. And so that's, that's a lot of how burnout has uh, appeared in my life and how I've come mm. really close to it multiple times. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in John 1. And it's when the Pharisees are asking John the Baptist, who are you? And he just says simply, I am not the Christ. That's, that's one of my favorite <laughs> verses in the Bible. I, I'm, yeah. I am not the Christ. Because there's so, so much truth in that, mm -hmm. that we are not. Uh, there's, there's only one. There's only one yeah. God. And he is powerful enough. And he is, uh, he is able. <laughs> and <Yeah>. we are not. <laughs> uh, we are not God. And we are not the Christ. We are not the Messiah. And what a good reminder, Trent, of, to me, thank you for sharing, of, oh, yeah, I am not the Christ. And that, that, that leads to a humble posture of submitting to one another out of reverence of, okay, so, I'm going to let, I'm going to let Josh take this over because I don't, I don't, I'm not the Christ and the same mm -hmm. spirit of Christ is in Josh. <laughs> yep. and, and, you know, this, the same bond that we have in Christ. And so I can trust him. To lead as well i can trust others i can trust the people under me because they have the yep. spirit of christ and so i think that's, there's so much truth in in what you and what you said and um i hope whoever who's ever is listening is taking notes or something because um that, that, was, that was really good and a, a timely word so thank you for sharing that yeah i think that was a that was a big lesson that i learned that first year ra was trusting you know not only the people on your yeah. leadership team but also just trusting in God to do the work. You know, I remember I was meeting up with one student pretty regularly for a Bible study once or twice a week, and things were going great at the beginning of the semester. And then kind of halfway through, started to trail off. You know, he would say he was busy. He had a soccer game. He had homework, whatever, couldn't meet up. And it kind of just fizzled out. And I remember talking to Sheldon, who was our boss at the time, um, during one of our accountability meetings and just saying like, hey, like, man, Sheldon, this really bothers me. You know, I thought, I thought things were going well, you know, I, I really felt <laughs> like the spirit was moving and, and now it seems he's not that interested. Um, and Sheldon challenged me. He's like, okay, well, what are you doing during that time that you had set apart to meet with him? You know, I said, oh, I'm doing homework or playing video games or watching Netflix or whatever, you know? And he just said like, well, shouldn't, 
you still have that time committed to him? Like, why aren't you praying for that student during that time? Oof. And it really hit me like, Oof. wow, I had had this, this mentality of I need to meet with this student to say the right thing, to convince him to feel the spirit. You know, I had to have the right phrase, whatever. When in reality, nothing that I could say could do anything close to what the spirit could do through one simple mm-hmm. prayer, you know, and I was completely yep. neglecting that mm-hmm. because I had taken it on myself. And so, mm. yeah, it's such an important reminder, I think. I'm just hearing you talk about, like, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not in us. Like, it's the spirit working through us, you know. It's like, yeah, a lot of times our pride gets in the way, um, which yep. is kind of a crazy thing, especially <clears throat> being in a leadership role where <clears throat> if you allow your pride to get in the way, it's not just negatively affecting you, but now you know, it's negatively affecting the, the 80 guys on your dorm that you're overseeing, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's kind of a scary thought. It is. Trent, how do you, how do you delight yourself in the Lord when you're in an environment uh, that sees that as admirable? How do you not take mm-hmm. pride in delighting yourself in the Lord? Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question, honestly, because uh, I've been kind of asking myself what that looks like. Uh, I remember a time of worshiping recently um, where I was just like, man, if this is what delighting the Lord is, like, I always want this. But then, you know, you forget it pretty quickly. You're like, ah, whatever. Like, I got this assignment. I got to get done or whatever. Um, uh-huh. I, I think I think a lot of it comes in the strides of what you do personally. Um, like if I can, uh, there's, there's scripture after scripture, of like, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and that's specifically mm-hmm. forgiving. But like, there's a lot of it. Do not go pray in the street corners. Uh, loud for all to hear and like sure my position and even SNRS my position uh, is is adored whenever we do spiritual things and so it almost becomes like I'm working for the Lord not I'm being with the Lord Um, and so one of the goals that my team like SRS team because we have two leaders specifically that aren't shepherds like they're two directors uh, one of the things that we're doing right now is uh, we're crafting becoming goals and then we're spending this year trying to become those things. Um, and so instead of doing, which is a natural outflow of how we work, because most of the people that get to where I am are hustlers by nature. It doesn't mean that we hustle just to get in this position, but that we get stuff done. Like we want to we want to get our assignments done and we want to be like on time to things. And we want to be diligent in how we manage other people's resources and like those things. And so, um, you know, just like we're crafting these becoming goals of like, I want to become this person. And the truth of it is, pretty much every single one of those becoming goals doesn't happen on a stage or in front of somebody. Um, those things happen in the private places where no one sees, like, how do I become the person that prioritizes the relationships that should matter most in my life over just being a people pleaser? Like I do that by saying no. And in fact, that's not very attractive to people when I say (laughs) no to something that's in my work position so that I can go, um, encourage Elizabeth when she's having a bad day. Or I can um, go surprise my parents to make sure that they're feeling loved. Because, like, those are the people that, like, after college is all done and said, like, they're still a part of my ministry, like my familial ministry. Mm. Um, and so I think it just happens in that more private place. And it's it's not, I don't, like, get to boast about a private place. Like, if I'm mm. doing that, mm. then I'm really doing it for the wrong reason. Uh, but, like, and I, I, the TMI of it is like my favorite spot is the bathroom. Like I love my time with God when I'm just showering and I get to talk to him or I get to listen to worship or do something like that. And that's for no one else but me, you know? I think of Second Corinthians 4 where Paul says we, um, 
we look not to the things that are seen for those the things that are seen are transient they're gonna they're gonna yep. fade away they're gonna you know mm-hmm. and if, you know the people that you see like as i'm looking at you guys over facetime you guys are gonna fade away you're gonna be mm-hmm. next time well i'll probably hopefully lord willing see you guys on this <laughs> earth again but but inevitably that's not what you know these yeah. aren't your real this is the transient josh this is a transient mm-hmm. trend that i'm that i'm looking at yeah. Uh, what really matters, as Paul says, is look to the things that are unseen for their eternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think of just as, as what you're saying, Trent, of it's gonna, it's so easy to wrap our minds in what is seen. And, oh, you know, like I'm going to read my Bible in the midst yeah. of the, the Jerry Falwell <laughs> Library because, you know, man, I'm going to look so good. You know, what this is, you know, this is like crap like that. Maybe we don't, we don't think that consciously, but, man, it feels good yeah. subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And our, and it's such a good reminder to to look to what is to what is unseen to what to to where God is and He looks yeah. down on us as our heavenly Father. So He sees you in the shower, and that's all that matters. Well, that sounds weird. <laughs> Wait, <sorry. laughs> he's just, he's just, Bye, man. <laughs> oh man, I'm getting fired. Good thing we don't have a boss for this podcast. Right, yeah. It's just us two, <laughs> self-employed. <laughs> But he, he, it doesn't matter yeah. who sees you in the shower. He sees your spirit. <laughs> no, your physical self. It's not, it's not the transient point. It's like, it's, it's, yeah. just, it's just me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah just hanging out here. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's such a good point of like it, yeah. the, the private places. That's, that's where at the end of the day, if, if you're, if you're looking to please yeah. man, if you're looking to get glory from man, um, and you're not delighting in the Lord in the private places, then. Mm-hmm. That could be a big red flag right there. Of, yeah. Man, am I looking to the things that are seen or am I looking to the things that are unseen? And I think with that, like, the, I think the chief aim should that be that I'm, like, glorifying him and I'm delighting in him in the private places, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. out of that, like, I get to delight in the work I do because I'm also, de- like, I'm also getting to do mm-hmm. work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting to lead Bible studies and I'm getting to have spiritual conversations and I'm getting to encourage and advise and hold people accountable and do all those things, which is such a beautiful thing. Like that is a privilege. It's just, that's not the essence of when I get to delight in the Lord. That's just an added bonus of the overflow of my personal time. So you can even take what people say like, Oh man, Trent, you're, you're so godly and stuff. And, and you could take that. And you could take that to the Lord. Cause you're looking to the mm-hmm. things that are not seen, but to what is unseen yep. and you rejoice in him and give thanks to him. And you just keep on going. And you don't you don't let that boost your pride. And when people say like, "Man, Trent, you're a crappy person," you know, you don't like <laughs> you take that to the Lord too, and like that doesn't that doesn't phase you because you're you keep on looking to Him. Nope. Uh, you find who you are in Him because you are in Christ. Yeah, you guys, you guys know. I, I don't know. This was some. I guess it was a mantra that Sheldon would say all the time whenever whenever I would try to compliment him. And it honestly was a little irritating yeah. at first because <laughs> I'd be like, "Oh, Sheldon, like that's incredible that you're so hospitable, or like the way that you do ministry is so awesome." And every time his response, two words, "Praise God," <laughs> and I was like, "Yep, well, yep. I was like, "Well, yeah, but but you're doing great too." And he's like, "Praise God," and I was like, "Okay." And it took a, a couple times for me to figure out, like, "Wow, he really." does not want any of the praise and just immediately in two words shoots it right back up. And I was started doing that sometimes too, 
but I would do it because I wanted people to think that I was yeah. that great. And I was like, yeah, look at me. I'm saying praise God. Like, I'm setting it up there. It was just like so uh, twisted. And again, kind of going back to those, that theme of like pride. It's so, mm. it just pops up in these mm. crazy ways. And you really, you really have to be on guard for that. Josh, I appreciate how honest you are, bro. <laughs> yeah, always. Hey, I, I got nothing nine. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> I got nothing nine. The Lord is working, right? Like let people hey, see the my Lord flaws. Sees. <laughs> the Lord sees you in the shower. Right. Yeah. It does. Yeah. One yeah, takeaway from this episode: the Lord Praise sees God. you in the shower. <laughs> Praise Amen. God. Amen. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so Trent, this is the this is a thing that we do at the end of our episodes. Most episodes will end with like a hot take. So we'll each go around and we can each have one. Um, does anybody have one? I got to think of one. <laughs> I think that jeans are overrated. I hate jeans. Oh, amen. Okay, I agree. Okay. Dude, okay, whoa. Jeans? I just got wow. two. Bro, I get so much hate for that. I just, I like, I wore them when I was in elementary school and I was like, I don't ever want to wear these again. Yeah. So I've only <laughs> worn khakis or shorts. Right. I'll even wear dress slacks before I wear jeans. <laughs> I feel that, man. Preach it, Trent. Preach it. I can't. I can't. Dude. Yes, sir. Uh, I almost left Liberty when I found out that you couldn't wear shorts to class. No lie. Really? Yeah. I was this <laughs> close. I said, I ain't yep. doing this Baptist stuff. I ain't doing it, man. <laughs> but <laughs> it was good. I'm glad I said. You should have been digi. The Lord humbled me. You can too. wear whatever you want to class. Wait, really? <laughs> Nobody cares. I wore I wore shorts a couple times, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say minute. You should have been ministry. You should have been anything other than government. You would have been fine. <laughs> I wore my Adidas every wow. day to every day to class. <laughs> I always man. saw you in them too. What? Oh uh, yeah, the classic Josh. The classic. Yep. Do you remember the Bills jersey? The Bills jersey, oh, the yeah. Adidas yeah, yeah. shorts. Yeah. <laughs> the classic yeah. man. Nobody said a thing. That was good. Good stuff. Okay, so this is my hot take. I know you guys will probably disagree with me. I'm going to probably get some hate for this, but peanut butter by itself not being baked into something is gross. <laughs> okay. I wish I disagreed with you, but I kinda, I'm kind of on it. Oh, really? Okay, okay. I think, I think peanut butter is guys. too viscous for me. Like when I'm swallowing peanut butter straight from a spoon, it's just like sitting in my throat, and I hate that feeling. I'm like, please just go down. Like I have to like right. chug water afterwards to feel like I'm like clean. It's like Chinese water torture, but in your throat. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, what kind of peanut butter are we talking about? We're talking crunchy, we're talking smooth. Any. Any kind. See, I don't mm. like it if it's like... But crunchy's kind of like a snack. Listen, here's, you know, here's what I would say. If you take peanut butter and like you take a knife or a spoon or whatever and you eat it or you slather it on something like PB&J, that's gross. I'm not going to have that. But if you have like chocolate peanut butter balls are amazing mm. or you bake it into stuff like Reese's with chocolate. Mm. But then it's... I don't know. Mm. I have a big sweet tooth. so But I just... I don't know mm. how people can just grab a spoon and a jar of peanut butter I and go to town. Don't either. It, that makes that's so gross. I could see eating copious amounts of peanut butter as being gross, just straight up peanut butter. Any amount. <laughs> but what, okay, so what I would no. Oh, 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 hear me out. Hear me uh -huh. out. In in Sweden, I would every morning for my breakfast, I would have apples and peanut butter. In my last uh, my last little spoonful, I would just go Loop, and I would take it. It was like a good. It was a good ending. You know, I'm glad that you breakfast. enjoy that. <laughs> The only acceptable way is if you have a graham cracker and you put a thin, and when I say thin, I mean thin, 
layer of peanut butter and you sprinkle it with chocolate chips, that's acceptable because then you can't really taste that's the peanut dessert. Butter. Exactly. That's why it's good. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, Josh. <laughs> Trying to you make you healthy. Up. You got a hot day no. for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys might not agree with me on this one. High School Musical is overrated. Mm. Which one? All of them. See, I just think back right. to pump the brakes. I, say, I think back to Josh uh, during uh, RA lockdown, jumping off of a chair and going, "I'm not going to stop. <laughs> not going to stop till I get my shot." Dude, I get down with bet on it. So I, I knew that he was going to disagree. Okay. Uh, high School yeah. Musical two up the pot. Yep. is the best. I love it. Dude, I I like High School Musical. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So you got a hot take on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Hey man, I'm lo- I'm losing the hot takes. Today. Basically, God, Tucker, geez, I am a- Josh, and I have agreed on pretty much everything. So where are you, Tucker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Trent and I are just gonna continue on with episode alone. You can you can just sign off here. <laughs> I'm kicked off of West Coast alone. Yeah, Trent is the new the new West in the West Coast alums. So. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I get to West though. I'm still on East. <laughs> it's fine. We'll pretend. <laughs> okay, yeah, right, cool, dang. cool, cool. All right. Well, guys, thank you for the episode. Trent, thanks so much for coming on the episode, man. It's so good to talk to you. Yeah, and thanks for having yeah. me. Connect and hear your Likewise. opinions and your experience. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah, that's your thing. Welcome back anytime. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for listening to the episode. Uh, we loved having you here. We hope you enjoyed your stay in the, the West Coast Hotel. Uh, and we will, <laughs> we'll see you at, at the next episode. Go go wear some shorts and khakis. That's right. Shorts and khakis. Yeah. There you go. All right. See you guys. All right. See ya.